I'm Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love doing. And my guest today is Frank King, who's done just that. He has made a living doing what he loves doing. And uh, Frank, first of all, I want to welcome you to the Power of Podcast. Hi, Thank Frank. You. Frank, hey, how, many, how many TED Talks have you done? I've done six. I'm applying for my seventh right now. All right. So here's the thing. This is a man who's taken his purpose in life and he's monetized it. He speaks for a living. He's asked to speak to corporate events. And he's a former uh, comedian and a writer for The Tonight Show. And he found himself living with suicide, uh, suicidal thoughts and depression. And now, Frank, you speak on mental health issues. So, right? I love how you say, do the joke that you always say about your spoiler alert. Go ahead. Yes. I, um, depression and suicide run in my family. It's called generational depression and suicide. My grandmother died by suicide. My great aunt died by suicide. I came close enough. I can tell you what the barrel of my gun tastes like. Spoiler alert. I did not pull the trigger. And thus he is here with us today because if you, you know, we've all gone through really tough times. And if you have found a way out of your tough time, you can turn it into a TED Talk and you can actually turn your mess into a success by speaking about it. So first of all, I want to ask you, Frank, when did speaking about what you went through become a purpose for you in life? Well, I was making good money, Judy pre the last recession, up till 2007, 2008. I was just doing clean corporate comedy and making, you know, a good living. And then with the recession and speaking business dropped off about 80%. That's when I, I, I came so close to killing myself. We filed chapter seven bankruptcy. And when the world came out of the recession, the meeting planner said to me, look, Frank, we love you, but we can't pay that kind of money anymore just to be funny. You need a message. You need some content. You need learning objectives and i'm thinking oh man and judy i always wanted to do that i always wanted to make a living and a difference i just could never figure out what i had to teach anybody wait a so second this- you mean you didn't want to make a living just doing dick jokes come on Frank. <laughs> yeah, what you wanted more yes <laughs> I wondered, out of the- your life really uh, yeah by the way the dick jokes just occurred to me the clean stuff takes some effort uh, <laughs> Okay, yes. so go go ahead. So I'm I'm casting about. This is 2012 ish. I'm I'm casting about for you know what what can I talk about? What can I? How can I? What's my message? And I thought you know what? And this is going to sound like we planned this, but I bought your book, The Message of You: Turning Your Life into a Money Making Speaking Career. Now, bear in mind, I went into your book thinking I got nothing, and about halfway through. I had an epiphany. I thought, oh my God, I do have something to talk about. My family has mental health issues, more nuts in my family than in a squirrel turd. (laughs) And I have two mental illnesses and came very close to dying by suicide. I thought, you know what? If I get some suicide prevention training, stuff that I can teach people, then I can keynote. I can become, as you would say, I could turn from a funny speaker into a speaker who is funny. So 
that's what I did. I got training in suicide prevention. And then I thought to myself, I've got to rebrand because everybody, meeting planners, speakers, bureaus, think of me as simply a funny guy. So how do you rebrand? And my wife goes, do a TEDx talk. And I said, what's a TEDx talk? And just by chance, I got an invitation that week to apply for one up in Canada. So I sent in the application and I got it. This is 2014 now. Did my first TEDx talk on mental health, mental illness in 2014. Came out on stage because nobody knew that I lived with major depressive disorder and chronic suicidal ideation, not even my wife. Came out on stage, told my story, my messes and stresses. Then I taught the audience at the end, the last portion. Said, you're gonna get your first lesson in mental health first aid. And, and because of that TEDx talk, I got invited to two more. And then I applied for three more, but that's reading your book was the linchpin. And I planned my first TEDx talk using your book as a template. And then I bought a book called Talk Like Ted by Carmine Gallo, nine things that belong in every great TED or TEDx talk. So I took the template that I created using your book and I added, made sure I had all nine of those things, humor, passion, a surprise for the audience in the talk. And that's how I went from, from funny speaker to speaker who is funny. And, and you, I know you believe this, Judy. I believe it firmly. The riches are in the niches. I decided on January 1st, 2018, I'm not going to dump my corporate comedy set or my inspirational talk, but I'm not going to market those anymore. I'm just going to market myself simply as a suicide prevention speaker. And then I asked the Judy Carter question, okay, now who has a problem that that speech will solve? Who, who has a pain point you can address? And I looked around and I thought, well, you know, there's a top 10 list of occupations at risk for suicide. So I picked five or six of those occupations and those are my ideal clients and those are the only ones I market to. It makes, mm. it makes marketing so much easier. I went... I'm doing a thing for a construction company in New York City later this month. And this morning on a whim, I did an incognito search for suicide prevention speakers construction. And sure enough, I was the first organic listing. And that's how uh. they found it. The guy goes, I found you online, Frank. I kept typing in suicide prevention speaker construction and you kept coming up. That's the benefit wow. of selecting a, a set of ideal clients and marketing doing one thing and, and marketing just, to one. I just did a search on mental health speakers construction. Um, and there you are. And it's not a paid ad. It's not, you didn't even have to pay Google for that, for that to come up. It looks like it's, it's, it's very organic. Um, that is amazing because it, if people get when I coach speakers, um, they get very nervous about, oh, who wants to hear me? And I have nothing to say. And what you did was really go, okay, there is someone who needs to hear it. Who are they? And then it's like you found the perfect niche. And who would have thought like people in construction have mental health issues? But I guess they do, right? They are the number one at-risk occupation for suicide. Wow. Who, I thought that was dentists. It's They're, no longer dentists. Dentists are the number one at-risk occupation, white collar. Ah, I see. Okay, I, I see how it goes. 
I want to I want to um, really unpack some of the things that you've said, because uh, I think it'll be very helpful to my listeners. I know there are a lot of people who are getting tired of they're funny. They know they love being on stage. They love getting laughs. They know how to be entertaining. They've got charisma, but they're so sick of, you know, doing gigs for free, doing bringer shows and you know, just trying to find places to perform and how great it is to get up and perform to an appreciative audience and an audience that also pays you extremely well. We all know the speaking market pays speakers um, about you know, 20 times more than, yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, you get a lot more than, than a hamburger. So, um, so I want to unpack a couple of things that you said that I feel are so missing from people who really do want to take their purpose in life and turn it into sharing their story with other people. They want to do a TED talk. And also um, um, you'll see if you read the notes with this podcast that Frank also does coaching and there is a link to his coaching because now he's, <laughs> he's helping other people find their message and turn and actually find TED talks that would be right for them and and actually helps them fill out an application. Um, and I know so many of the people you've helped have gotten TED talks. So let's unpack a couple things that we need. All right. Well, can I brag for a second, Judy? Yeah, please brag. I just got a note, an email from one of my clients and I hope to get a TEDx talk. And her TEDx talk is one of the top 50 TEDx talks in the world for 2021. It's number 30. Whoa, what's her name? Barbara Connolly. Oh, wow. And, and, and what is Barbara Connolly now doing since she's got so much you know, hype on her TED talk? Well, she's going to leverage we're going to leverage the TED Talk to, to, you know, to get speaking engagements. I make sure with her that she's got a website, that you know, she has a landing page that says exactly what she does, speaks in that, on that topic and just that topic. You can't tell from that landing page that she does all sorts of other wonderful things. Mm -hmm. She has a one-pager you know, with, with the learning objectives on it, because that's what the meeting planner wants to know. What are you going to teach my audience? What's the ROI? Mm -hmm. all of her social media lines up with her speaking career so any of her social media you go to it screams barbara Connolly speaker on this topic because you know nowadays judy back in the day meeting planners were book a generalist who spoke on a lot of things it seems like mm -hmm. nowadays they want a, the expert the thought leader so we're we're setting her up so she's turnkey to get booked to speak oh my god that's wonderful um, so let me ask you a couple of questions because I really want to unpack what you've said uh, a few minutes ago about what you need. All right, so um, TED, doing a TED talk, um, it's not about your story, is it? So many people go, oh, I've got such a story I want to tell. Why is that um, not what they are looking for? They're looking for your story to be part of the TEDx, as you would say, and I quote you on this all the time, Judy, to my clients, look, TEDx talk is basically this. It's a talk developed in thirds. The first third, as Judy Carter would say, is your messes and stresses. The second third is generally your successes. What did you learn through all those messes and stresses? 
And the third third, the last part is now here's what I'm going to teach the audience. So your story is part of a TEDx. And, and you know what, Judy? TEDx loves a great idea worth spreading. What they love even better is an idea worth spreading and a really good backstory. It's like America's Got Talent. You know, this guy was, he was in prison for 35 years for a crime he didn't commit. He sang every day. His dream was to be on America's Got Talent. Here he is. So that's the formula. If you've got a great backstory, messes and stresses, then, then, um, and you've got a great idea worth spreading. That is a formula that, that will help you get a TEDx talk. And there's something else that you need, which I'm so impressed with what you did. You had a great backstory. You had a lot of talent to deliver it, to take a dark topic and make actually, you know, lighten it up. But there's something else that you did, which I feel is, the, is so missing from so many people who are applying for TED Talks or who want to be speakers. And that's called what I call uh, met your methodology that uh, you're going to teach the audience something. And so that's when you went to get, uh, did you get a degree or you got training in mental health and you've got, you've got some methodology that you teach the audience. Is, is that, am I wrong about that? I heard you say that, right? Yes, I took a course. My first one was called uh, Suicide Prevention is a Workplace Health and Safety Issue. Eight hour training, train the trainer. I just took, the train the trainer course or something called mental health first aid uh, another one called qpr and a fourth one it's assist applied suicide um assist, asi uh intervention <laughs> skills training so you know you have to have takeaways and action items whether it's a keynote or a tedx for the audience the the one question they often almost always ask you in a tedx audition if you make it that far okay that's a great idea now tell us, what are you going to teach the audience? And you better be able to answer that question. Right. So teaching the audience a, a like step one, step two, step three, step four. Like, okay, this is your problem. You're working in construction and you just want to, you know, jump off that girder. And right. So, <laughs> right. So you just want to jump. So what do you do? So do you have it down to like just real bullet points um, from what you took from your first aid training? Yes. And what you're doing is I'm, I'm doing a show, two showcases this week. And in the showcase, I say, you know, one person in the United States dies of suicide every nine minutes. And then I said, the good news is eight out of 10 people who are suicidal are ambivalent. Nine out of 10 give hints in the last week leading up to it. The trick is, and what I'm going to teach you, you have to know how to spot the signs and symptoms of depression and thoughts of suicide, and then what to say and what to do and how to find resources. So even in my showcase sets, I teach them something. They have takeaways so that, so that after they hear me speak, if they suspect somebody is suicidal or depressed or both from what they've learned, they know how to begin that conversation with that person and what to do next. So, so if somebody, I know a lot of my people here are, you know, comics, they're writers, they're creative people. Um, let's just say you have this idea of, well, I've come from an abusive family and I learned how to lighten up. Okay. I've learned how to, you know, be funny. Okay. 
what would be like an example of converting that idea because it's kind of an idea that's you know it's definitely worth sharing but it's an idea that has been shared over and over and over laughter is the best medicine blah 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 we've heard that over and over again so how would you then turn that into an idea worth sharing what i would do is wrap that around in my first tedx talk there's, a, there's quite a bit of dark humor and it's not jokes it's it's my own lived experience mental health journey for example my grandmother died by suicide using an old gas stove. My great aunt died by suicide using an old lock type refrigerator. She crawled in, you couldn't, she couldn't get out. So I said to the audience, what is it with my family and major appliances? <laughs> I drive past Sears, I tear up. Oh my goodness. Oh so that's where God. the, you know, that people ask me, do you not get booked to do the suicide prevention talk because you're a comedian? No, you got it backwards, they want the lived experience, the messes and stresses. They want the learning objectives. They want me to teach them something. And the fact that I can leaven it with some organic, well-placed, tasteful, personal humor just puts me over the top more often than not. Mm, I see. Okay. So, so, but in the methodology, what could somebody like, what would be teachable if you're just a comic and, you know, and your whole message is lighten up everybody. I mean, what kind of things would, could you do to that? So they're, they're a comic, not a speaker. And their topic is the power of laughter. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's again, just say that. Again, I think it's a matter of telling personal stories. Here's, here's my mess and stress and my reaction to it. You know, Judy, you think like I think. I, I used to think that everybody thought like you and I think that I was just beating everybody these punchlines over and over. And I realized at some point that you and I think differently than the average person. Our minds work differently. We, we constantly are on a constant comedy search. I can teach people to write stand-up and perform stand-up. I cannot teach them to process the way my brain does. And so I think I taught a, a class for the library system in in Vancouver, Washington. And it was all about finding the funny. You got to put on your giggle goggles with your earpiece because sometimes it's not visual, it's auditory. And I, I spent a whole 45 minutes pointing out the humor in life and sometimes near tragic situations and, and taught them to begin to think as a comedian thinks. Oh, okay, so here are five ways to think the way a comedian thinks or exactly. something like that. Like, give us an example. What would be one of the ways to do that? Well, you know, I have a slideshow of funny road signs. A lot of misspellings, odd juxtapositions, and 90% of the pictures I took myself. 10% I got off the web because they were irresistible. Mm -hmm. But I, I showed them these pictures and I, I put the picture up on the screen and I go, people probably drive by this every day, thousands of people. Only a few of us notice that this is misspelled. It's an odd juxtaposition. It's a strange way of stating it. They didn't use spell check. So you need to, you need to pay attention. Comedians get paid to pay attention. So you need to, as you're going through your daily routine, you know, pay attention 
read the billboard, listen to the radio ad. I mean, really listen. I'm on an airplane in, in Atlanta, flying Delta. The flight attendants are very Southern because they're based there. And the FAA has changed the rules. You can now use your iPhone or iPad on takeoff and landing. Well, the flight attendant says, because this is not written down anywhere, she has to tell us that. We can use our iPhone or iPad on takeoff or landing. So she goes, ladies and gentlemen, due to new FAA regulations, and she freezes. You can almost hear her think. She comes back on the mic. Ladies and gentlemen, due to new FAA regulation, if you have small equipment, you can continue playing with it. <laughs> I'm bent over double. My seatmate thinks I've lost my mind. He goes, what? I go, let's review. Before <laughs> I can review, she comes back on and goes, you have large equipment. You need to shove that under the seat in front of you. So I'm down on my knee. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so So funny. I said, guys, look, you need to, you know, everybody's heard those announcements over and over, but when, when something, when there's an anomaly, like something new, you need to perk up and listen or look, be more aware. I, I tried to be a cop during the last recession and somebody asked me in one of the oral wards, okay, what's the connection between policing and comedy? We're paid observers. We get paid to notice things. I'm a great noticer. You need to become a noticer of things. The humor mm. is there. It's like they say about sculpting. If you want to sculpt an elephant out of a block of stone, you just chip everything away that doesn't look like an elephant, and you've got an elephant. Comedy is the same way. The comedy's in there. Just chip away everything that's not comedy, and there's the funny. Tragedy mm. plus time equals comedy, as you know. Yes, yes. And so, so you tell the audience like you need to wake up, look, you know. So you give them a call to action as well, right? To wake up, look. What what is something you can laugh at? What can you open your eyes to? And you know, and and learn to laugh and find the funny to actually look for it because otherwise you're going to find things that are miserable, horrible, and depressing. Right? Is that is that what you're saying? Yes. The I took a course from a guy you know kind of a positive thinking um and he said you i want you to look back in your life in 10 year seconds at the worst thing that happened to you each decade and see if you can find the silver line and i think with comedy it's it's almost the same look back at all the awful things that happened to you let's say go decade by decade and pick the worst thing each decade and see if you can't find the funny in the tragedy you know mm. tragedy plus time equals comedy and you know my, my first wife we were high school sweethearts we should have never gotten married. We had nothing in common. But you know what they say, opposites attract. She was pregnant, I wasn't. <laughs> it was a horrible marriage. She's a wonderful woman. We had no business being together. So it was tragic. We wasted each other's time for five years. But there's funny in there if you go looking for it. You have to go mining for it. Mm. I love it. Well. Frank, I'm so glad I had you on The Power of Purpose. You seem like such a good match for, for us because here you lost your sense of purpose. And in that very thing, um, the bankruptcy, the, the financial loss, the uh, depression, the, you know, your, your family legacy of suicide in um, uh, large appliances, um, <laughs> yeah. right? I, I mean... You took all of that and you actually used it to reinvent yourself and built on top of that your purpose in life. And 
to me, there's just such a strong message in that. And you're the epitome of turning a mess into success. And I just want to thank you for, um, for being on, on the show. Please, everybody, if you think that you have a message and you want to learn how to like apply and actually get a TED Talk, um, this is the guy you absolutely want to talk to. Thank you so much, Frank, for being here on the Power of Purpose podcast. Well, Junior, you and I both know I wouldn't be here doing this podcast with you if it weren't for that doggone book, The Message of You. Ah, thank you. And I owe you $10 for that plug. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Bye-bye. For your special gift, go to themessageofyou.com. That's themessageofyou.com and get your free one-year subscription to The Message of You University which is full of lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a book, a TED Talk, or a paid speaking career. That's the messageofyou.com.